What's up, mi gente? I'm Juan Ayala from Latin Babbler Show, and you're listening to Latin Arte, where we bring you exclusive interviews with rising Latin stars of the world. ¿Listos? ¡Vamos! Firstly, welcome to my co-host. Joining me on the show for the first time, Miss Sylvia, a.k.a. the Cosmo Latina. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to have you here, hon. And who is joining us today? Joining us today is a wonderful author who had their debut novel, published earlier this year, titled 1500 Miles from the Sun. The story follows a closeted high school senior and soccer player, Julian Luna, who accidentally outs himself to the world with a single tweet in when he fears that his life is ruined and his dream of escaping Texas to the West Coast. He gains a trusted friend and confidant in Matt, his long distance Twitter crush from LA. There's laughs and tears and touching moments and some darker subject matter. Here to chat with us all about it is the author himself, Johnny Garzavilla. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, and oh my, I, I loved that description. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, wow, like that should be on the back of the book. Yeah. Hi, I'm Johnny Garzavilla. I am a Texan born and raised along the Gulf Coast, I'm currently residing in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I am a Sagittarius sun, Capricorn, like everything else. Um, and I am an author of contemporary YA literature that has a lot of um, aspects of my own Chicana and Tejana and queer identities in them. Well, Johnny, firstly, congratulations on your debut novel. I'm sure that was no easy task to finish, firstly. And now to have it available for the world to see, how does it feel? It's a little overwhelming, like still even, just kind of overwhelming. I I kind of wrote it with like no real knowledge of how to get it published or what I would do if when I finished the draft, if I even finished the draft. Um, and then going into like getting an agent and working on finding someone to publish it, getting this sense of like, wow, like it would mean so much for like Latina kids and specifically like Chicana and Chicano kids to be able to read a story like this that could be great but then actually having it out in the world and like hearing the reception about it it's just like oh my god like I um you know cry into a wall or something just like <laughs> having these emotions of like oh, okay like this is real this is something that like I I might have in some way impacted someone else positively and like that just that means the world I mean I guarantee you it's impacted so many um, young Latinx kids because it's such a beautiful story. Like, I'm obsessed with the book. You know, I, I haven't been able to put it down and by, I mean, my tablet because that's where I'm reading it. Uh, but, you know, it's so funny and, and the characters are are also charming and relatable. But among all of this joy, um, you really get into the nitty gritty of, of the homophobia and the toxic masculinity that is still a huge problem in the Latinx community. Uh, so what inspired you to, to tell the story? I think I just originally um, got this idea because a little bit before starting drafting it, I had read Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite books. And then shortly after that, I went and saw Love, Simon, which is the film adaptation of the book. And I went and saw it with some Latina queer friends. And afterwards, we were just having this conversation about how books by Latina queer people don't get this sort of chance of like adaptations and the sort of like reach that a lot of um, even like as great as they are and whatever and you know as much as we love them like these white stories get and something should be done about it like someone should write that book and like 
yeah, we don't have a lot of say over whether it gets adapted or not, but at least like start that process of just like putting out more of our stories, getting us reflected into the world. And I kind of left that night thinking like, I, I could do this. Like I could definitely write a book. And so it was really just inspired by like, what would Simon Spears journey look like if he was a gay Chicano Catholic brown boy living in Corpus Christi, Texas, instead of a white boy and a progressive-ish family living in the Georgia suburbs. Like that would be a whole different experience. And so I really wanted to just look into that and think about the differences in that. Um, and then I was, as I was drafting and revising, I sort of just kind of kept on getting a little bit more personal with it. And I think that's where like a lot of it just really started and just like thinking about what were my own fears and trepidations and hopes and dreams were as a as a queer Latinx Chicana kid growing up in a small Southeast Texas town and putting that into, into words. But like, like, as you said, just putting a lot more joy into that too. I definitely, you know, I wanted to put the realism in there, but I also wanted to just equally have joy and humor and love in there too. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, just knowing from um, the things that I've had to review for, uh, for television, especially like including shows like Love, Victor, a lot of the LGBT centered shows are either like full on dramas and cover so much trauma or they're like hilarious over the top comedies. And the book has such a lovely balance between the two. And I love that now there is this wonderful book and a TV show telling the story of like a queer brown kid in a religious family. And it's like two completely different takes on it. And it, which is so great because it's like just you get two different perspectives and and lord knows how many other books and shows there are about white queer kids like okay, okay we can have more than one of a brown queer kid god forbid you know <laughs> I, I i agree i i love that my book came out in a time where like we have a show like love victor which like there are those similarities of like he comes from a, a texas family too and like also religious but just how different it is in like in the parental relationships and sibling dynamics and friends um, and even just the makeup of the friend group and and things like that so I, I really love that like we're getting those options and it's terrific and I think my main character Jules would have probably loved watching Love Victor like probably would have binged that. I feel like because I grew up in a Spanish-speaking household I didn't crave it as much <laughs> like, I just had my novelas so to me like I had Spanish that was my world like it was fine but you're right I just that's because I never considered English language TV or literature as Latino inclusive. And now to see that bridge being built, right? That gap being filled is phenomenal. So kudos to you. Now let's talk a little bit about the creative process because it varies so much from writer to writer. I'm curious, did you write a main chunk of the book in one shot or did you write snippets here and there? This was actually the first book length thing that I've ever written. Um, and it was like the second idea that I had. Um, the first one just didn't work out and I just had to shelve it. But I had kind of like a few scenes in my head that just kind of like kept playing and like repetitively. And they weren't even like huge plot points of the book. They were just like little clips of like things happening that like my brain was telling me figure out how to connect these. Um, and as I was like jotting down these notes of like, okay, like we can include these sort of things. 
November was approaching and for writers, November is also uh, National Novel Writing Month. And so I kind of took that as a way of forcing myself to try to write this book, but also setting a deadline. Like I have the month to, to draft this. And so I basically like had just a couple of bullet points and like just went for it. Um, Writers call it like, um, oh my gosh, um, pantsing, where we kind of just, we don't even outline, like it's really just like very little thought. We're just going to open up Microsoft Word and see what happens. And that's basically what it was. It was just me and all my extra time, just like having a very broad vision of like what this story is and knowing that like I have all the time in the world to, to fix it later. Just if I can get a beginning, middle and end done by the last day of November, then that's it. That's all I need. That is a fantastic point because for any of our listeners who are aspiring writers and maybe get writer's block or who suffer from perfectionism, as I have in the past, <laughs> who think everything has to happen in a certain way to either take part in a national month or a challenge, I think it really has you in that environment to produce in a way to just get it out of the brain onto the page or the computer as, as this century <laughs> um, technology speaks, but fantastic. And, you know, when you sent off your final edit, were you nervous and you're like, maybe I should change this. Maybe I should do this. Or were you just like, just let it go. I trust this is as amazing as I can make it. I think the, the latter just, I just had to let it go. Like I, I was confident enough and like, my critique partners who had read it before I got my agent and then my agent and then a developmental editor and my actual editor and copy editors that like, these are all smart people. Like I, I think where they have helped me got it to a point where like, one, I couldn't have ever got it to myself, but two, I think to a point that like, it was meaningful enough to where if there even are some, some like places where it could have been better, that's fine. And there probably are like, it was, it's, it's a debut. Like they're always going to be just like little moments that like could have probably been better. And that's what the second book and third book and fourth book are for just to constantly improve and finding your voice and finding yourself as a writer and coming to terms with the fact that you don't know the English language as well as you do. So just like be a storyteller, not necessarily a, a grammatical like genius and, and just go for it. Like I think telling a story you want to tell is much healthier than telling the perfect story yes hashtag go for it <laughs> whatever whatever it is go for it <laughs> and you mentioned that some of the book became more personal to your own life as you continued writing it was any of it more difficult to write because it was getting so personal for you Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I had like early just people who volunteered to read my manuscript, like ask if I could bring up a more emotional touch points in certain scenes or add certain scenes just to kind of like build that. And I was just like, I don't like, I don't know. Um, like I'll think about it, but that sounds a little like I'm kind of opening a door that I haven't looked into at all. And so like, maybe I'll, I'll give it some thought. Um, and even with my developmental editor, like there was a big thing, like with my publisher that we really wanted to bring in even more the relationship between Jules and his dad. And like, he just kind of sat me down before we got started and was like, I need, I need you to know that like, if we reach a point where you feel uncomfortable, like let it, let us know. And like, we will 
we'll set that as a line. Like, it's okay. Just, we, we want you to like check your spoons and like know that there is a limit and like, you don't have to cross that if, if you don't want to. Um, and even now there are scenes and maybe even entire chapters of that book that like, I just would prefer not to read or think about just in general. Um, even though like going back, I, I was really proud of that. And I, I felt like those scenes were really touching in a way that like, if I could just like escape my own thoughts of them, like I love them too. And so there's like a, a, a balance that I have between them. So we were talking before about um, how a lot of uh, BIPOC queer stories are not often given the same sort of widespread attention as some of the white ones are. And um, you had mentioned Love, Simon. And um, with that, that movie actually inspired me to come out at 25 years old. Uh, so then uh, when they made the show Love, Victor, I was like, oh my God, like I said before, like, you know, finally we're getting to see this like other side of everything. And um, sort of in uh, the, the first episode was so funny to me because it's like he says like basically f you to simon like not all of us get that happily ever after like some of us have to struggle um so in an ideal world if this book was turned into a movie or a series who would you want to see play some of the roles oh my gosh um i like i have like face comps for most of them but like like a couple of them i know that like like Joel's and Matt were taken from like TikTokers. I don't even know if they act, but like I know that they were taken from <laughs> TikTokers. Um, I I've always seen um, oh my gosh, um, Ciara Ramirez, who was in um, The Fosters as uh, Eat Cell. Yes. He's always yes. been like who I pictured as Eat Cell. <laughs> um, I've always thought of um, Melissa Manera from like Vida and oh my gosh, the music. Uh, yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, as like who I think would be an incredible um, Sochi. Um, and then like, I know that like Jessica Marie Garcia's character and on my block was literally a direct inspiration of like who Lou is. Um, I don't know if like that would like fit at this point and like that might just be a little like putting her in a, in a, in a box, but like I might even see Jessica playing like Sochi too. Like, I could see that. I could see that. Um, and I've always kind of seen Jules's dad as like Raul Castillo. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, I, I just, I love him and anything he does. I think that would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I think those are like the main, like the actors that I know, like, and I've just yeah. kind of envisioned in there. Yeah. And I'm sure with the, the, with the main characters, because they're young, you know, get some fresh faces in there. Right. And that'd um, be incredible. Yeah. Similar to, um to like with, with love victor and with within the heights there was a lot of sort of new faces that maybe they did like a show or two but not like you know they didn't put j-lo in in the heights yeah. to be like as daniela uh or anything right. but yeah. Johnny, just the other day you announced your next book coming in 2023 forward planning people forward planning <laughs> and and santi were here is there anything you can share about it just yet oh my gosh i would love to okay so um yeah, so it's titled On There and Santi We're Here. Um, it, the main character on there is a, um, a non-binary young muralist who's taken a gap year from college. Uh, so it's kind of like, it's like an upper YA, like college age, but like not actually in college. Um, and they kind of like fall for the newest waiter at their family's uh, taqueria, uh, who is Santi. And um, so they kind of like have this like mutual flirting, kind of getting into a relationship sort of scenario. Um, 
And that gets a little complicated whenever uh, ICE shows up and we learn that Santi is undocumented and they have to figure out like holding on to that love that's so quickly happening in a society that would rather them be separated. Um, and it's just, it's, um, I just, I, I really always wanted to write a story that like takes place in the Zacaria and like I get to celebrate like San Antonio in it. And like, I, I just love like the family dynamics in it and writing like a non-binary Chicana character because like as much as we get like, as we don't have just like gay Chicano stories, like we don't, don't have like non-binary Chicana stories. So like just to add something to that has been an incredible opportunity. Um, and yeah, um, comes out in 2023 with Wednesday Books, um, working on edits like right now. So like just very like in the zone for, for all that story um, and super excited to tell it. That's awesome. I saw on your Instagram when you shared it and I showed my boyfriend and he was like, oh, another one we have to read. <laughs> He's so excited. <laughs> he has a whole stack of like of, of queer literature that I have not been able to, to dive into. But I'm so excited. Like there's so many layers to that, not just like representation for other parts of the LGBTQ plus community that don't get their fair share of time in the spotlight. Um, but also, you know, like the family dynamic and you're like honoring your community of Texas. And I love that you're implementing that into your books, too. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's where the authenticity comes in, though. Right. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. And and I love writing about places in Texas that really haven't gotten a lot of attention. Like, I feel like Texas stories are mainly like Houston or some country town out in the middle of nowhere. Um, even like Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe is like in El Paso. So I feel like we really get nothing that's like South of Austin, like ever. <laughs> so to really be able to talk about like South Texas specifically, I, I just, I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And as a former teacher, <laughs> I love the fact that there's more variety in literature. So I really do hope that our librarians get on this YA literature train and start picking up Johnny Garzavia's books for our young people. Doesn't matter if they're queer or not, because we all get to be exposed to diversity, no matter what. Yeah, I think libraries don't need new copies of like 1984 and of Mice and Men and all of the nonsense that we had to read in school. It's like ancient. We need some new books in the libraries for these kids. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's so many. Like I I I have a bookshelf right now that has like I can probably count on two hands, but still have some fingers left over of like books by white authors and also books by straight authors. So like they're out there. Right. There's not enough of them, but they're definitely out there. Uh, so Johnny, uh, one of our last questions. So what do you want to be the main takeaway for a young reader from the book about this whole journey of, of self-discovery and whatnot? I think like for those who can fit into Jules's shoes and know what that journey feels like, I hope that they feel like they're less alone for a little while. And that like, even if it's just like them by themselves in their room with this book and no one knows they're reading it, like if they know that they're enough and that they're embraced and that like, you know, things, things might be shitty, but like eventually like, you know, things will get less shitty. And even if you don't fit into Jules's shoes, like I think anyone can fit into any one of those characters. If it's Matt or if it's Jordan or Itzel or Sochi and just like figure out like what it is to be, a supportive friend or a supportive sibling or 
a supportive partner and someone just going through something. Um, I, I hope that like there's a certain sense of, of sympathy and apathy that's taken away from this book. And, um, and I hope that it sparks an interest in reading more Latinx queer books and more QTBIPOC books. Um, yeah. And similarly, I hope it really inspires all the young writers out there. It's like, oh, I can tell a story like this. You know, I've got ideas. So hopefully we in the next, you know, 10 years or so, hopefully in the next year, ideally. But, you know, we see lots more stories like this get pushed to the forefront. And beyond Hispanic heritage. <laughs> right. Not just in, <laughs> right. Not just in June and September 15th to October 15th. <laughs> Exactly. Right. We are Latin X 365 days of the right. year. <laughs> FYI. And that's that on that. <laughs> All right, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Latin Arte. Where can people find you on Instagram if they want to give you a follow? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at uh, Johnny Instas. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Johnny Escribe, like Escribe, like write in Spanish. I'm also on TikTok. I'm also on TikTok and trying it out. Um, that's Johnny Escribe too. Like if, or Johnny Escribe, like also, um, if you want to see me. And it's Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y. Yes. J-O-N-N-Y, no H. There you go. (laughs) And everyone go buy and read 1500 Miles from the Sun available now, wherever you buy your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, They've all got it. So go get it. Yeah. And actually, um, I'm partnering with the Nowhere Bookshop in San Antonio, Texas, um, to offer signed and personalized copies of 1500 Miles from the Sun. Just doing it like every time they get in new shipments of the book, I go and sign it. If you want it to say more than that, if you want like Viva Salina on the page or something, like I can do that too. Um, So you can visit Nowhere Bookshop and just look up 1500 Miles from the Sun personalized copy. And that should take you there. Awesome. That's really cool. Head over to latinbabbler.com to check out all of our other content and follow us on Instagram at Latin Babbler Show. You can follow me at Cosmo Latina. And you can follow me at Juan Ayala Official. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time.